You're listening to Wild and Well, a podcast where we talk to people who use data and insights to navigate the health and wellness industry. I'm your host, Kate Wilson. Megan McAdams is an innovation manager at Ollie. Ollie is a gummy vitamin startup that was acquired by Unilever in 2019. She's responsible for actually creating gummy vitamins that you see on the shelves at the store. Megan dreamed of being a food scientist ever since she was a little girl. She specifically remembers hating the taste of Flintstone vitamins growing up and wishing that vitamins tasted better. So when I was in grade school, I, like most kids in the 90s, were taking Flintstone vitamins. They're the tablets and, you know, kind of basic orange and strawberry flavors. And I did not like them. At breakfast time, they would sit out on the table and I would take them in my hand, put it up to my mouth. And I would then lower it into a napkin that was in my lap (laughs) because I really hated the taste. And my father one time noticed and I was sent to my room and proceeded to get a bit of a lecture around how they were good for me and I should be taking them and I shouldn't do that. And, you know, I think that was one of my first memories of being like, I don't like this. Why do I have to eat this? (laughs) But it was definitely a vivid memory, especially now given what I do for a living. Fast forward to high school. Megan had another experience that solidified she wanted to be a food scientist someday. In high school, I went to a Cleveland Indians game and we ended up having a conversation with the woman who was sitting in front of us and she worked for Wrigley Gum at the time and she was telling me about her job and a new product that had launched and it was Five Gum, which hadn't even made it to the market yet. And I just found that experience so exciting. She handed me a pack of gum. You know, the general population had never seen it yet or tasted it yet. So I think it really helped me again to solidify that this was the type of work that I wanted to do. Megan went on to get a chemical engineering degree and a master's in product design. But her first job after she graduated didn't end up being as glamorous as she had imagined. But then she eventually ended up landing her dream job at Wrigley. So I worked five years at a specialty cornstarch and corn syrup facility. So not quite the glamorous setting that, you know, I envisioned. But when I I was in the Chicago area working there and Wrigley was, you know, a main kind of innovation hub in in the city. And so I really wanted to make the pivot into actual product development where you could see your products on the shelves and really take pride in what you did and all the work that went into it. And so that was really my focus. I was trying to find a path and make the connections to be able to work at Wrigley one day, because again, it was one of those things that like I had known about for a really long time and just was kind of a dream job for me. And so I had a friend of a friend who I'd gotten to know and found out she worked at Wrigley and, you know, women supporting women. She was able to help me get my foot in the door there. Megan's role at Wrigley was to actually create Skittles and Starbursts. Here's what her day-to-day looked like. I worked specifically on Skittle, the Skittles and Starburst brands and 
I worked really closely on ingredient or our optimization team. So really around raw materials. So a lot of times, you know, the company would make a stance on a health initiative that was coming to say natural colors or other raw material changes like that. I would work to identify new ingredients that would not have any impact to our end product that could be perceived. And so there is a consumer check-in point to make sure from a sensory standpoint that we're continuing to make sure that we are not impacting the product that is already on the market and really just making sure that we're still delivering the great product that's always been there. A type of sensory research Megan would do at Wrigley was called descriptive analysis. A panel of highly trained individuals would come in to evaluate the appearance, aroma, flavor, and texture of the candy with the new ingredients. You know, working with more of like a consumer insights group, we, one, you work with a descriptive analysis team. And so these are trained panelists who, like myself, I could do a texture on a scale of one to 10 for skills, but they could do, you know, multiple food products and they could do many, many attributes from a scale of one to 10. So think texture, it's going from a marshmallow soft all the way to a hard candy and being able to tell the differences or sweet and sour and everything. So one of the first things that we would do when we would have a scale-up trial is it would go through descriptive analysis, a panel. And so they would assess if there was a difference detected. And so based on if there was a difference detected or not, it would then take a different path in terms of proceeding with a project or needing more data. If the descriptive analysis panel detected a difference in the product with the new ingredients, then a consumer panel would be used to evaluate the products. So Wrigley does have a lot of in-house consumer panel work that takes place. One of the avenues when you would come out of the descriptive panel, one of the action items, if it maybe didn't pass or wasn't quite up to par, it would go then to a consumer panel where you would assess liking from the consumer standpoint. And so everything needed to be able to hit, you know, parity with your control for you to then launch it. Because again, you don't want to put something into the market that is subpar and what subpar of what people are currently buying. And so that really was as the biggest driver. If it was some a difference was detected by the experts, then we would take it to that. And so again, off of what the consumer panel then said, you would have different avenues of like what you would do next within your project. And so a lot of the projects I did at Wrigley were very heavily needed the data to support it to get the sign off to go to the next step. While Megan loved her time at Wrigley, She had also always wanted to work in the health food space. She specifically remembers seeing a commercial by Kashi, which piqued her interest in healthy food and ingredients. I want to say that the Kashi commercial was popular in the late 90s or early, maybe early 2000s. And so, you know, Kashi was really the first company that I saw as a young female interested in science and food that was really taking an approach of like using whole foods. And they showed these commercials of the scientists and others going out into the rainforest and finding new ingredients that are healthy for you. And they would bring them to your table. And so it was just a really cool concept to me as like a teenager, I would say. And 
this idea that like, this is something I could do with my life. And I remember watching it being like, yes, that is who I want to work for. (laughs) Like that sounds really fun. Because of Megan's interest in healthy foods, she decided that Ollie would be a great next step in her career. I mean, going back to the Kashi story, I obviously wanted to work in health food, and that is still kind of what my goal had been when I was working at Wrigley. I had a great experience and learned the foundation of you know food science and product development, but I ultimately wanted to pivot to health food, and an opportunity came up where I could bridge my candy knowledge and kind of enter into the health food space. And so Ali was two to three years into their kind of startup life and was looking for a confectionery scientist to help build out their gummy platform and help overcome ingredient challenges that they had. And it was really quite serendipitous that I was looking to get into the health food space, but had the candy background. And I'm super happy that I made the jump to them and have been here for about three years since that day. Ollie is disrupting the vitamin market because of their unique perspective selling consumers benefits instead of ingredients. So Ollie really was founded on this idea that nutrition and health and wellness should be easy to understand. And so prior to Ollie, you would walk in kind of into the vitamin aisle and you would see a sea of kind of white bottles with ingredients that you couldn't pronounce, you didn't know what they did. And so Ollie took a different approach in terms of putting the benefit forward. So instead of selling melatonin, we were selling restful sleep. And instead of selling biotin and keratin, we were selling beauty. And so it just kind of simplified and made health and wellness easy for the consumer. And so I think that's what we continue to provide to the consumer is this just ease of knowing and not being intimidated by what we're selling to them and that, you know, it's consumer friendly. Obviously, it has the beautiful design. It stands out in the aisle compared to, you know, the majority of those in the market. When Megan joined Ollie, they were a new startup. Working at a startup was really different than what she was used to at Wrigley but she was excited about the big impact she could make at a smaller company. I was actually in a program at Northwestern, which was a master's of product development and design. And I just met so many interesting people and learned about so many new products on the market and just an interesting impact you can have at a small brand. And so I would say that that really was the catalyst to push me to think that there was life outside of Wrigley, because like I said, Wrigley was my dream job and I was there, but super happy to have made the jump. I mean, I think it really is the fast paced life that a startup offers you. It's the autonomy to make decisions and to move on. You, you know, They're willing to take on some risk and then learn from it and pivot and create new based off of what you learned that day. And so I think that's been really fun and continues to be a really fun aspect of my job. Megan has loved working at a startup because she gets to wear many hats, but the pressure to innovate and create new products can also be really challenging. Every day is different, and I think that that is partly what is very fun about a startup. You wear a lot more hats because you're a small team and you are launching many products two times a year, and so you just do a lot. And so I would say anything from front-end innovation, uh, working with 
creative and brand to understand consumer trends, what our pipeline's going to be, assessing it from a technical capability. Are there ingredients that exist within that space? I would say, you know, what is probably challenging about creating products at Alley is staying ahead of the Me Too products. So, you know, even if we launch a great new product in the market, you know, a competitor can easily kind of copy that. Or it's staying ahead of the trends so that you are new and disruptive and not just doing what everybody else is doing. And so we really value that. Disruptive is one of our values. And so we live by that. And so we're constantly challenging ourselves how to do things differently and bring products to life in a different way. The challenge to constantly be innovating has been worth it though, especially when Megan gets to actually see a product she created on the shelf. For me personally, the most fulfilling part is because I do, I am so high touch in all the products that go out the door. It really is seeing those products on the shelf and getting the feedback or reading the feedback on target.com or our website, seeing how consumers enjoy it, or even if they don't enjoy it, what don't they enjoy about it? And so being able to pivot and do better the next time and, or make it maybe, you know, position it as a potential product improvement in the future. So always listening. I'm always reading reviews, but it is very, it's very fun and it's very validating or just exciting as someone who puts so much heart and soul into them. Megan has had some cool experiences working at Ollie. One highlight is when she got to do a taste test challenge for Anthony from Netflix's hit show Queer Eye. So maybe two or so years ago, Anthony was kind of a brand ambassador or influencer for Ali. And he, as part of a promotion that they were doing with Anthony, he came to San Francisco and was in the office. And since he is a chef and likes to be on hands on it, if you've ever seen the show, he's constantly smelling and tasting things. And so we thought it would be fun to kind of do a taste testing and just showcase some of our new products. So one of the things we did is this idea around consumers eat with their eyes. And so, you know, it's really important that your product looks and shows up great on the shelf. And so in order to kind of display that, we did two different kind of tests with him. So the first test that we did was I made two different gummies. One was a red gummy with a lemon flavor. And then the other was a yellow gummy with a strawberry flavor. And so we asked them without telling them anything about the samples. They could obviously see them. We asked Anthony as well as the team that was kind of there for this what flavor they thought these gummies were. And so just proving the point, and there's research definitely supporting this, is that people automatically, when you see a red gummy, you go to cherry or strawberry, regardless of what it tastes like. And so your mind is telling you, oh, yes, this needs to be a strawberry because that's what color it is. And so, you know, in both cases, the entire group mislabeled or misjudged what the flavor was for both of them. And so so their, their eyes told them yellow, and so they assumed lemon, even though the flavor was not lemon. So that was the first kind of test we did. The second one was around the idea of color intensity and 
the likeness or how the consumer likes a product. And so this one, I made three gummies at varying levels of purple intensity. So a light purple, a medium, and then a dark purple. And so we asked them one, what flavor we thought it was. There was no flavor in it. So it's kind of a trick question. And then two, which, you know, which one they liked the most. And so I think, you know, most people fell into the medium or the dark and they liked it. And most of them, again, guessed that it was kind of a grape or a blackberry or something along those lines. Little did they know there there was no flavor in it in any of the samples. And so I think, again, it just reinforces that people are truly eating with their eyes. And so I think you know, where that really impacts my work as a product developer is really making sure that our colors can be shelf stable over time. And so because we're using non-artificial color sources, that's super important for us because those can degrade more quickly than an artificial color. And so for example, if you're creating a prenatal gummy and your gummy turns to brown in three to six months and you have an 18 month shelf life, it's not going to be good for the product. You know, people, especially the prenatal, you know, consumer is super sensitive to taste uh, at that point in their life. And so it's really important that the brown color is not impacting the buyer's choice. And so even if the product tastes really great, it's still going to deter them from purchasing that product. And so we do a lot of monitoring of our products over time just to make sure that that if something is turning to a color that we don't like, we know that that's having an impact on people's trial of the product or maybe repeat purchase. And so we want to make sure that we're putting our best foot forward, even at that 18 month shelf life, if they're getting a product at that point. And so we do product improvements and we're constantly monitoring the health of our products. And so I work on that also to make sure that if there is an issue, we do address it in a timely manner. While Megan does her own sensory research on the products she makes, she also works cross-functionally with her colleague who does consumer insights. So I think it's an interesting thing because we are a startup. CMI is, you know, a fairly new role to Ollie, but that doesn't mean we weren't getting consumer insights just in different ways (laughs) previous to that. But I would say as a product developer, you know, there's a new concept being tested or we're testing something specific about a new product or an existing product. And so it's getting that feedback and having that constant feedback loop from them to make sure that what they're hearing and what the information and insights they're gathering, I'm interpreting correctly because they, they sit through the internet reviews and they hear and they go through the data that they're getting, but I'm not. So, you know, there needs to be making sure that I'm understanding what they're relaying to me. And so I think that that's a very interesting aspect of the roles that we play with them is just making sure that we're interpreting it both the same way. In order to be constantly creating new and innovative products, Ollie has to keep close tabs on flavor and social trends. I think one of the other things that we do really well and Ali takes a lot of pride is on flavor trends what's emerging in the market you know looking at menus and looking at just what are people talking about and new recipes that people are you know doing and making sure that we're you know incorporating some fun new kind of flavors that are maybe up and coming and I think similarly also ingredients or actives that we're going to put into our products you know again kind of going back to that trend trying not to be the me too product, making sure that we 
are using and taking a little bit of risk by using these ingredients that, you know, are just starting to get recognition and taking a little bit of a leap of faith. I'm sure that within CMI, there's a little bit more than just the leap of faith. They have some data to support like, oh, this one is actually trajecting in a positive way. But what I would consider is a little bit of a leap of faith of like, hey, we're going to we're going to lean into this. And if it doesn't work, we'll pivot. And I think that is the great piece because we we still do operate as a startup. So I think one of the things that's been really fun at this kind of small company is that we do kind of some field trips. And so we will go to ethnic markets or as people travel, when we used to be able to travel, they would come back with interesting products that they saw either flavors or just format or packaging that was interesting. And so we kind of had an innovation room that just like housed all this like fun, inspirational things. I think also, you know, we're constantly just keeping a pulse on macro trends and things that are going on within the social world. And so, you know, we recently launched a Futures female line, which is really about taking the taboo out of women's health products. And really that came from the idea of the Me Too movement that was taking place with women and beyond just that, just how women were owning their bodies and being proud of, you know, no matter what they looked like and it fits the new skinny, everything like that. And so it really came out of that kind of like like big macro trend of how can you pull inspiration from something as large as that? And, you know, it's been a really great success. Ollie is a certified B Corporation, which means they're a business that balances purpose and profit. They're dedicated to ensuring their business is a force for good and considers the impact of their decisions on their workers, customers, community, and the environment. I think the idea of B Corp is just so powerful as we're moving kind of away from companies only being focused on profit and really leaning into the people and the environment. And so Ali does, first of all, just such a great job of retaining their employees and doing great things for their employees. But then that goes outside of, you know, the company and taking care of the community around them and also making sure that we create products that the ingredients are sourced correctly and that we're making packaging that will do more good than harm in the long run. And we're constantly working to improve that. And so I think that that's really been a big focus that we will continue to roll out and lean into over the next few years as we grow. Most importantly, Ollie's products help consumers get the nutrients they need to be healthier and have a better quality of life. Ali's focus in general has been to provide efficacious products, make them delightful. And I think along the way, we just make people happy. And so, you know, if it's sleep and people are getting better sleep, they're super excited and they're living a better life to, you know, we have a vitamin D saffron um, mood support to, you know, again, focusing on holistically a consumer and really just making sure that they're you know, physically and mentally getting what they need. And so I think we try to help support both of those. Looking into the future for Ollie, they've been expanding beyond just the gummy vitamin space into other types of products as well. So we recently launched in the soft gels and kind of capsule space, so the pill space. So we've always been of the thought that a little sugar in terms of our gummies is 
you know, okay to have. It's a little bit of an indulgence. And so we recognize that, but we do also realize that there is a consumer that maybe doesn't want that extra sugar in their life. And so we're really trying to create a product line for them and bring that to life. And so that's really what our ultra soft gels line has been kind of focused on. We also recently launched into the powders, so a stick pack kind of powder, so an immunity plus elderberry support. And so I think maybe some more fun innovation coming in that space, just kind of leaning into some of the formats that we have. Megan appreciates all the women in her life that have helped mentor her throughout her career. She hopes to pay it forward and teach young girls about all the opportunities that exist for careers within STEM. I think something that is interesting is this idea of women in science. So I'm a big advocate of supporting women and making sure that women know different kind of career paths that are possible to them at a young age so that they can take the decisions and the steps that maybe are needed if it's something that interests. I've had a lot of really great women within my life. Obviously, I mentioned the one that helped me get my foot in the door at Wrigley. Part of the reason I wanted to join Ali was at the time we, when I was hired in, I was employee 42 and our product team was five women who were highly intelligent, driven women and several have been great mentors to me and I think it's just a really cool network and and continuing to support other women within the STEM. Let's get to know Megan a bit better on a personal level. For the wildcard segment, I'll ask her a series of questions, and she'll answer with the first thing that comes to mind in a rapid-fire format. Okay, first question is, what makes you laugh the most? Mm, My husband. I'm an introvert, and he's an extrovert, and... Yes, it's been, he's very funny. (laughs) Knows how to cheer me up when I'm down. You are a certain age chronologically, but how old do you think your soul is? I'm definitely an old soul. (laughs) I don't know if that comes from being introverted. What makes you feel at peace? Being at home with my family and spending time with them. And maybe a little bit because it's COVID and we haven't been able to see family as often, but Yeah, being back where I grew up, I think is peaceful. That's awesome. What is your favorite beverage? Oh, glass of the prisoner. (laughs) So red wine, but specifically the prisoner. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's the winery that you go to up in Napa. Yes, and it is known, you know, they made their mark in the Napa region by, you know, creating a wine that was just different from what people were doing up there. What is the last book you read and loved? Maybe you should talk to someone. I think it's Lori Gottlieb, I think is her last name. It is just so fantastic. Really puts an emphasis on mental health at this time and really hopefully making it less taboo. Totally. I read that book recently and I loved it too. This one's harder. What fictional character do you identify with most? I would have to say Hermione Granger. (laughs) Um, Just kind of being a nerd. And I also think a little bit, you know, some of my feminist ways have maybe come out. So (laughs) I think Hermione does that. (laughs) Okay, that answer is phenomenal. (laughs) I hope I did her pronouncing her name justice. (laughs) I think so. What is your definition of success? 
I would say being happy and doing things that make you happy and making sure that you are focused on more than just, you know, your job title and salary and making sure that, you know, it's the balance as well as, I guess, supporting people around you because that makes you happy too. So nice. When was a moment you felt like you had failed? I mean, we could go back to like the moment that I had the most panic in my early career. I was in a manufacturing setting and I was a project engineer and we would have a yearly shutdown and all of my work had been working towards this project. And, you know, you have a seven day shutdown and you need to get your work done. Well, my work did not get done in seven days and my project was keeping the entire plant down. And so Yes, there was definitely a lot of panic, a lot of sleepless nights. Uh, We did figure it out. And, you know, there was a piece of equipment that should have been operating one way. And we assumed that in the work and it wasn't operating that way. And so it wasn't something that I could have predicted up front, but it was definitely a humbling experience being a young engineer in front of a lot of people telling them, yeah, we're still not up and running. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) That was scary. (laughs) That's a good example, though. What is a personality trait that you share with your relatives? I'm very much like my father. And we share a trait that was toasted to in my maid of honor and my father's speech at my wedding that we think we are the funniest people in the room. Yes, we laugh at our own jokes very loudly. (laughs) We think we're the funniest. So yes, I didn't share that trait with my dad. I think you're funny. <laughs> Thank you, Kate. <laughs> Apparently other people don't find us as funny. Uh, screw them. <laughs> okay, last question. When was a moment you've had imposter syndrome? Every day. Yeah, I mean, I think coming into a small company like Ollie, you do wear a lot of hats. So I think, you know, there were definitely moments of like, what have I gotten myself into? Can I actually do what they're asking of me? And I really think it is asking for help, reaching out to people who can help you and not being afraid to ask questions. Because in the end of the day, especially at a small company, we just want to succeed um, and they want to see you succeed. So yeah, I think that's been, I think, a learning lesson of just ask the question if you don't know. All right, that is all I have for this episode. Hope you enjoyed listening to the amazing Megan McAdams at Ollie. Have a great week and remember to be wild and well.